Thank you so much for being here today. Hi, I'm excited to be here. Um, Thank you. Yeah, um, if y'all don't know me, um, I'm Genesis. Um, Me and Aina, we work together for a podcast. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of a hoot and a half. (laughs) Yeah, so like, do you maybe just, like you were doing, introduce yourself, like, you know, how you identify and just anything you want our audience to know about you? Yes. Okay. Hi, I'm Genesis. I'm 17 years old and I live in the suburbs of Chicago, Illinois. Um, My pronouns are she and her. And what I do is I am a co-host here at Dear Asian Girl. And that's our podcast that highlights and supports Asian girls everywhere. And then I also work just work in general with Dear Asian Youth. I am the chapter Midwest Regional Lead, which is really, really cool and exciting. And overall, like, um, yeah, that's about it. Um, I'm also a founder of um, a mental health newsletter for teens, and we basically counteract the stigma against mental health and everything. So I'm really, really excited to be here to talk about all these things. Great. All right. So let's just get started into, you know, quarantine and social distancing and all that. So what has that experience been like for you with this global pandemic mentally, emotionally, anyhow you want to talk about it? Oh my. <laughs> yeah. Again, literally a roller coaster. So, fun fact about me is I work at radio. And so we had, I had to go to New York literally the week before Illinois shut down and our whole like, coronavirus thing. And so that's when the cases really started rising in New York. Yeah. Yeah. We, but like the thing is, we were all scared about it and we were all like, okay, it's going to be fine. Like, I, I felt bad because I make coronavirus jokes during yeah. that time so like I didn't think anything about it, of it I just didn't but like of course I was staying cautious like I wiped down my seat in the subway mm-hmm. I did all of that and um that was fine but then when I got back it was super scary because my parents would told me to like isolate for a few days to make sure like I don't have any of the symptoms because I literally flew that Sunday night and then Friday we were on lockdown so I know I just can't believe like luckily nothing happened but I didn't get tested or anything but luckily I didn't feel any of the symptoms yet but yet again um during March no one really knew the symptoms yeah so, like there was like, some uncertainty yeah there was yeah and I just didn't know because I generally thought it was like if you have a fever then you have it or something yeah. but I didn't know there was like a loss of taste or smell there was even like you could have diarrhea. That's yeah. I didn't even know that. So I like was really scared. Um, I think also um, at first it wasn't too bad in terms of my mental health because I honestly needed, I hate saying that, but I honestly, I honestly needed that month to sort of recover from everything because beforehand I was, I had school from like 7.45 to 3.05 and then I would have clubs from like 4.30 to maybe 8.30 and then I would work on my homework from like nine to something. So it was a really overwhelming workload and my mental health was starting to go down during that period of time. I was feeling like super anxious and super like fidgety all the time. And like, I just couldn't get stuff done. But luckily due to, I I hate to say that because the whole COVID-19 pandemic is horrible for so many people, but honestly it was sort of like a, 
a breakthrough, I guess you yeah. could say. Like a way to sort of take a step back and reflect and everything. And I think that's really true, though. I mean, yeah. yeah. And I yeah. hate that because like, I have that certain privilege in which I can stay at home. I do have all these necessities and I do have the food. And I did have the paper towels because my mom was <laughs> Super, super nice. Toilet paper. Oh, God. Yeah, the toilet paper. Oh, my gosh. Like, I, I went That weekend, I remember we went to Target and everything was like blocked out, cleared out. It was yeah. insane. I, I like, don't know. The whole panic buy thing is so crazy because like even with mental health, like everyone was so anxious and like scared and like you said, like so much uncertainty around it. So people would just like go into like the stores and, you know, literally get anything they could get their hands on and then like mask the prices of mass toilet paper things that people will need or like you know that social workers will need like you know firefighters or like people who work in the medical field they will need it more but then like the the price increases and then for people who are like working at their small businesses who also need the prices like the mask and the prices that are like skyrocketing it was just like so many detrimental effects that like were just caused by the insane chaos and anxiety from that it's it's literally crazy Literally, the demand for, like, toilet paper and masks and everything and hand sanitizer is so high now. Everyone's yeah, for sure. Oh, the Lysol wipes. Oh, my gosh. One time, my mom and I, we went to Walmart, and we were mm-hmm. scrolling through because, you know, it's cheap, whatever. Yeah. No, like, the Lysol wipes, they used to be maybe, like, $5. They're now, like, $12 for freaking Lysol wipes that are only, like, a, mm-hmm. like a small tub. And it's absolutely crazy to see, like, the uncertainty surrounding it. And, like, no one knew what was happening. Um, And, like, every little COVID scare, because during that time as well, like, it was a transition between um, winter and spring. So there's a lot of people with spring allergies as well. So having, like, those symptoms as well was, like, super scary. Mother not knowing, like, if it was a spring allergy or you just had COVID symptoms. And, my gosh, I just... In terms of mental health and everything surrounding it. Yeah, I know you've had like um, a huge journey with that. So along with COVID-19, you could explain how you felt during this whole pandemic too. But along with your mental journey, I think we, if you could circle, circle back to that, that'd be great too. Yeah. Um, so personally, I've, I've had like rough episodes throughout my entire like journey throughout mental, I guess not mental, I guess during the COVID-19 pandemic back when I was at lockdown around March to end of May, mm-hmm. I think it was such a journey for me. It was a, a moment to reflect, but also a lot of time alone. Yeah. So there was a lot of repressed memories that came back up. <laughs> they're like really bad, embarrassing moments that just pop up in the middle of the night at like 2 a.m. And of course, like I wasn't doing school, so I didn't have anything to occupy myself or like anything. Mm-hmm. So I was really just in with my own thoughts and and I, as someone who struggles with depression and anxiety a lot, it's a lot to deal with, with staying at home and just being at home and having yeah. the only people you can really talk to is being your family, but also trying to isolate from them as well. Because I have, I have no one in my like similar age. It's a range from like 10 to 11 and then like all the way to like 40 being my mom. So there hasn't been anyone I can relate to. And then just staying home and not being able to see the people that you like absolutely love in school and your teachers and everything every day kind of hurt, especially during a Zoom call. Like, I know. I miss like face-to-face interaction. It's the best. I miss it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And overall, I think 
like the whole pandemic just took away like a bunch of opportunities and a lot of just things that a lot of people were looking forward to I know the class of 2020 severely suffered I know pandemic like I've had I have a lot of senior friends and they were not crying but just really frustrated with everything because this is like this was their last year and second semester was supposed to be their blow-off year so it's just really sad to see that um how sad they were over it and like it kind of broke my heart and made me feel even more sad for them and I'm a very I'm a very empathetic person yeah (laughs) I am such an empath me literally me I'm a Pisces so like I get that oh you're a Pisces yeah (laughs) no but like I just I don't know I resonate with them so much and how they feel because if I put myself in my position I probably would feel the same thing yeah so just seeing like especially how close I was um with my senior friends during that time because at the time they were like the only people I would talk to because they were older and really responsible and I had a lot of classes with them so just seeing how heartbroken they were over it like it really saddened me throughout that entire experience that I couldn't be with them and then also birthdays too because like one of my best friends during quarantine had her birthday and it was just weird because we just did like a quarantine drive-through yeah yeah like it was fun it was nice seeing her but there's there's something different between seeing a person like six feet apart versus seeing them like up close yeah. and actually hanging out with them. Um, now that's about it so far. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally agree. And just circling back to you mentioning about your like depression, anxiety, could you, I know you were diagnosed, you had this experience getting diagnosed and an inpatient outpatient program. So could you like um, expand on that if you, however you feel comfort, comfort to? Yeah, so um, July 2019, I was sent into an inpatient program in Chicago, which basically was a mental health program, and it was a rough journey for me, I'm going to be honest. <laughs> um, I It was a really dark time in my life where everything was sort of um, coming down and really affecting me heavily, and I've always, like, repressed everything knowing me like my coping mechanisms for dealing with how I deal with my depression at the time was horrible I would just repress it I wouldn't let anyone know I wouldn't like anyone I wouldn't ask like my parents for help I wouldn't ask my friends for help it was all sort of like repressed in me and I never like I never had that opportunity to like speak out on what I wanted to completely say at the time and, and with your whole parent situation, like, for me, like, I can't necessarily relate to that, but, like, I don't know if there's, like, a minor inconvenience I'm going through, and I just really want to rant to someone, literally, just, like, with my, like, my parents are good about it, but in Asian culture in general, it's just, the culture is hiding our problems and creating this unproblematic mm-hmm. exterior, so I can definitely understand how that might have been, like, crazy to just keep in and go through alone, Yeah, yeah. Um, mental health in terms of the Asian culture is a very taboo subject that not a lot of people want to bring up. Um, I don't know if you've seen that movie Farewell, but that like perfectly encapsulates like everything. Um, they just wouldn't tell the grandma that she had cancer. So it's something very similar to that. Like, um, Asian culture in terms of mental health, like they turn, they try to like take it off. Like it doesn't happen because, um, it's known to just work hard and just not think of your emotions and just continue and motivate yourself to do better and there's no room for the emotions there's no rooms for feelings there's no room for anything so I guess I've always had that mindset last year in July where I just wouldn't let my emotions get in the way of how 
I was affected because like sophomore year was such a busy year for me yeah school and academics like I just couldn't focus on I couldn't let myself focus on my emotions even though it was hurting me inside and I just didn't have room to express that and at the time last year my parents weren't the best on it I'm gonna be honest um they would occasionally question me but they would never push it um and it was just hard because they just wouldn't understand what I was going through and to this it's better now for sure they definitely we've definitely developed ways to communicate and how I'm feeling and at the time I remember last year like when people would ask me how I'm doing I just wouldn't say yeah, anything. yeah. I didn't even say like a simple like okay I'm fine I would just like be like yeah it's whatever and um and I think my friends didn't really realize how like sad I was during that time and how like everything was put upon me and I just had like a really bad like friendship drama a relationship drama during last year too so not only the pressure I put upon myself to do bad to do better but it was also just like external stuff that were happening outside of my life and it's something that was out of my control. And mm-hmm. that's the thing that I really learned during quarantine is that some things are out of your control and you can't like control it. Um, for example, I can't control like what happens to COVID. I can't like, yeah. find a, and I can't find a medicine for that, but I can for sure think, like think of the things I can control and the things I can like make myself better through quarantine. For example, like at the time I was really into like skincare yeah (laughs) I'm gonna like make myself feel better I'm gonna go buy a few products from Ulta I'm gonna go shop till I drop yeah Um, recommended by Hiram (laughs) yeah skincare by Hiram literally the best account ever I love oh my gosh yes I love skincare by Hiram Mm -hmm. Um, also I know that you mentioned creating mental note official like that's something you can definitely control and do you want to just talk about your goal and purpose with that and maybe how that's helped you or other people you know yes so throughout my life, I've always used art or writing or singing, especially as sort of an outlet in order to deal with my problems, <laughs> which is which is a really good outlet. And that's what my therapist recommended me to do. So I've been yeah. doing it and it's been helping me a lot. But just like, that's why I created Mental Note in the first place, because I know I'm not the only one. And that's what I've realized throughout this experience too, yeah. ever since that happened in July, is that like, my emotions were valid and everything because I I tend to second guess myself and I tend to overthink everything and I believe that like people don't wouldn't like approve these feelings or my feelings just didn't make any sense Mm -hmm. so having writing as sort of an outlet to express myself was really really beneficial so I wanted to create a message for um, girls out there or teens in general that like you can write about this stuff and you could have it be anonymous and you could just post yeah. it out there for the world to see and so that any other any other person could look at it and say like hey this their experience the same thing too and that it's okay and that their feelings are valid and that they're what they're going through is okay so that's why I created mental note in the first place and it's gone really good um I've written a few pieces that have really helped me and literally let me put things aside because quarantine, as I said before, a lot of repressed memories came up yeah. and I hit it again. So just writing it out, full out, no like editing or anything. 
Mm -hmm. I think that's, it's just overall, like, writing is such a good outlet for anyone to really express their thoughts. Yeah. Like, their anxieties and depression. And I totally recommend doing that if you're struggling. But it's uh, totally not for, like, any, like, it, I think it's not perfect for everyone, but it helped me, especially. Definitely, like, a healthier option than any alternative or certain alternatives. Like, it's kind of funny, because I tutor, right, and we, I board a boredom, and one of my classes is, like, writing letters to um, an organization called Letters to Strangers, which is solely based on, like, mental health, and people, will, like, write letters, like, oh, I know quarantine's been really hard, but here are some things I do, maybe that'll help you, and it's just, like, really sweet seeing these kids that, are, like, aren't even my age, you know, like, elementary school kids already being, like, um, you know, educated about mental health, and, like, you know, actually writing, like you were saying, and using the outlet to create an create more positivity around that and really just there's so much stigma around mental health and that that stigma just creates a lack of knowledge for everyone and just society in general and that Mm -hmm. itself can create a lot of problems like I know if you um like with the Black Lives Matter movement I heard about this girl who her name was um Soraya Reese I'm pretty sure she's 14 Mm -hmm. she's my age and she had antidepressant meds because she was being bullied a lot for her skin color being called the n-word and things like that and then she got psychosis. She developed that after withdrawal. And then because of her psycho- psychosis, she like was pouring bleach in front of her parents' door or something. And then the police came and arrested her and gave her 11 years in jail because of, wow. I know, because the, there weren't any proper mental treatment for her because the parents had called these counselors, right, to come and help her and give her the, the proper attention she needed. But then the police came and because of that, she ended up in a horrible situation. And, like, now her future is so compromised. There's so many issues. And I just think that it just all stems from a lack of knowledge about mental health. And you, like, creating mental health officials is just so important for that. And I really think that, like, using something that could be seen as, like, a weakness or, like, you know, something that, like, someone should hide, you using that, I think it's just really amazing. Just, like, being open about it, which is so important. Yeah yeah oh i have a i have a story sort of relating to that like in terms of um how it's not um destigmatized yet i was so you know how i'm a rising senior um i have my college apps up yeah (laughs) common app you need a personal statement Mm -hmm. and um i had two little essay ideas that i really wanted to write about the first being of course my inpatient my outpatient story and my um dealing with depression and anxiety and the other one was sort of on racial profiling which I'm perfectly fine with and I'm okay with but I really think my my story on that is different and really unique and I've always wanted to talk about that experience through a like a, a personal statement and so I brought this up to a counselor and they said I don't know about that I don't know if it's okay for you to um, write about mental health yet because it's not to stigmatize. And I feel like like if someone who's going to look at your application is not going to like that, they're going to see you as weak. Yeah. And ever since then, and I hate myself for it, I was, I just referred and I just shrunk back and I wrote the other essay, which was really bad for me. And I really should have gotten that out. So I'm going to rewrite it. And I'm going to rewrite it i'm definitely and i'm definitely gonna have an editor write it and everything but personally yeah. i feel like what i went through was so like an eye-opening experience 
and it's really shaped who I am today. I'm definitely not the same person who I was last year. This year, I feel more honest and more brutally honest in how I feel, and I'm willing to communicate it with other people. I've formed like really great relationships surrounding it ever since, yeah. and I've let go of people who I haven't like, who don't give me the energy that I think I deserve. So as a result, like this is like, this is my experience. And it's something that I should write in my college apps because as a result, like I've just changed completely. Like I did a complete 180. If you knew me last year, oh my God. I would have been like, she is a depressed. Can I swear? <gasps> no. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> She's a depressed bitch. Like she needs to get her act together. And oh my God. Honestly, yeah. And so for sure, like I've definitely, as I've, Something that's really important that people need to realize after a recovery plan is that recovery is not linear. There's always going to be ups and downs with your men with your mental health, and it's never gonna you're never gonna be fully recovered. I'm gonna say this out loud. Like, no matter how much you do, there's always gonna be those days where you just shift back to your regular habits. And I've had that recently, actually, two weeks ago. Yeah. Here's a story also about COVID and everything. Yeah. Go ahead. COVID test um for my work and then the next day I had to take like an hepatitis b shot and I didn't know that some of the after effects if like if you have a specific like a different immune system that you can get like a fever like a low-grade fever and like just overall like feeling tired and fatigued and so the next day I woke up and I felt like absolute crap like absolute shit like I felt like dog shit I slept for like two to three hours like intervals and then I got like a fever and I was freaking out. Yeah. But that's better the next day. And then there's another thing about mental health and COVID, like how scary and unexpected it is. And that's also, it gave me a really good insight. Like even if it was a COVID scare and I, my test came back as negative, like I can't imagine for someone who actually is experiencing those symptoms and actually does get it positive. I can't imagine the effects. Yeah, me neither. Oh God. All and like you realize that like you possibly could have gave that to a loved one that has a lower immune system. Yeah. And ever since then, like I've just been trying to stay at home as much as as I can because oh. my mom has asthma and a lower immune system, so I can't like afford to go out as much. There's a freaking fly. Like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Go on. Yeah, but that's like that's about it. I forgot what I was talking about earlier before I brought up that um, story. Um, it was like you're talking about how open communication is so important like I read this article about a girl who needed a psychiatric evaluation right and she lives in India and she's like at that age where she's supposed to get married and you know all this is happening she's like looking for spouses and everything and her parents are like oh no we can't do this we can't give you the help you need because it'd be bad you know you get a bad reputation and people wouldn't look at you they would think you're crazy or disturbed and then they wouldn't want you to they wouldn't want to marry you, and that, it just baffles me how, like, I feel like, I know, I live in LA, and I feel like mental health is, like, okay here, like, there's some talk about it, but, like, for mm -hmm. other cities, countries, whatever, families, like, there's some people that literally cannot get the help they need, and, like, getting diagnosed, and, like, having that mental health journey is, like, a huge struggle, and I, like, I'm so, like, you literally seem, like, so amazing now, like, I'm, I think you're just, like, so brave for, like, doing this, like, I don't know what you're going through, maybe, I hope you're doing better. It seems like you're doing better. So I'm really happy for you. But then there are those people who like 
can't even get diagnosis and like that's a whole other privilege in itself which is crazy to think about there's like just so many different layers yeah the fact that there's so much lack of funding when it comes yeah, to mental yeah. health, comes to those inpatient outpatient programs is crazy um like last year when i was there in chicago the facilities i'm not gonna lie they weren't as great um the, the rooms weren't as great the i was just overall um everything was just heavily underfunded and the fact that like education about mental health has never been funded enough and that like it's such a taboo subject that no one wants to bring up because it's deemed as weak or just hated it's just stupid to me i think i agree whether or not you always everyone has some form of anxiety or some form of depression some point in their life there's always and there's always bad coping mechanisms that come surrounding it and personally like if I knew that there was some way to have like those healthy coping mechanisms in my health class, for example, then I would have been better. I'm going to be honest. Like I would have tried to be that person. So just the lack of mental health funding and the lack of education on it is horrible. And, and it's also romanticized as well. That's so true. Yes. We have to talk about that. Yes. Um, one, one movie that I do want to like notify, but it's also, it's sort of realistic, but not really is Perks of Being a Wallflower. I watched Um, that. Yeah. yeah, The main character, um, the anxiety seems great, but overall it's, I think the people that come out of it romanticize anxiety and, and depression. Like it isn't, it isn't just you being worried or anxious. There's so many other symptoms surrounding it. And there's so many like, it's worse than what it is. Same way OCD isn't just being organized or depression isn't being sad or like, you know, moody. It's so much more than that. It's so much of a bigger struggle and shift your everyday life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like people don't realize like the everyday effects of it and they just theme it as one giant panic attack where the rooms are closing and you're just like losing your heartbeat. But like, no, people actually get like really bad, like physical effects from it. And I think that's something that needs to be addressed. And I think it shouldn't be as taboo as it is because we all have at least some sort of anxiousness and we all know how that feels. So I understand why people are like shitting on it. Um, especially during, I've had experiences where I've had like little anxiety attacks and I would get looks in my hallways or um, if I'm crying like somewhere, then I just get stared at. I so think- much. Like it's a problem. I'll cry at so many things, like every movie and or, like every inconvenience. It's, I seem spoiled for that, but, like, I can't control it. Like, the tears kept coming down. Like, I remember this one time. It was freaking, like, seventh grade where I shouldn't be stressed about a test. Like, it doesn't matter. But, like, I'm in English, right? And I know I have a history test next period. And I just start crying with, like, like tears just pouring down my face. And people are, like, <laughs> laughing. I'm like, girl, are you okay? And I'm just like, yeah, because, like, I'm laughing, too. Like, I'm, I'm, like, laughing, crying. Like, I can't control it. And then there are these, like, girls in the back just giving me that look, like, and then I hear them talking later, like, oh, she's faking it. Like, she just wants to, like, get out of class. You're like, kidding. So she can, like, study more. I'm like, I, like, I mean, <laughs> I, like, what do I say to that? Like, there's nothing I can do. Like, you know, I just, for me, it was fine because it's not something, like, like, it's not a big struggle, you know? Like, me crying, like, it's just, like, a small inconvenience. But, like, for someone who, like, actually has it, like, as a daily struggle in their daily lives, like, I can't imagine how inferior they would feel or how self-conscious they would be, like, feel, yeah. I don't know, I think, I've talked about this with so many people so many times, but 
the realization that there needs to be more empathy for people and the need to really put each other in people's shoes is just especially now during the covid uh, pandemic i i think people so huge in general yeah i just i just think people need to realize that there's always a bigger picture surrounding what's happening like if that person has an anxiety attack maybe they're not just crying about the test maybe that's just the trigger that like really put them off because firstly that that that's really what happens to me like one time i was in a spanish presentation and i had a full-on like panic attack and it wasn't just because of that but that was the trigger that like really everything leading up to it whatever was going on like maybe even like months back it doesn't have to be that one moment that sets you off yeah but honestly, I'm going to say this. We need to normalize crying. Normalize yes, it. I'm all for that. Literally, I swear. <laughs> I want that as my tattoo somewhere. Normalize crying. I swear, I yeah. My middle finger. So when I flick someone off, it could be just like, normalize crying. <laughs> oh my gosh. Literally, I support that. I condone that. I'm all for it. Okay, yeah. someone, I will set up a GoFundMe page. <laughs> And put in the dollar for me to get a um, <gasps> that. Oh, no. so I'm actually considering that now like that's kind of funny <laughs> honestly I will back you up like that needs to happen <laughs> but yeah make this oh my god mental no normal mental no mental <laughs> I- wait no but like I'm not even playing like can you do that like I, I feel really like that's happen. like you could make that happen it's a possibility <laughs> I know. I mean, like, I, anything's possible at this point. I do want a shirt that says that. I think that'd be kind of cool. Honestly, I'll, like, promote that. Like, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. But, like, always the response with mental health to, like, you know, inc- incidents. Not, not, I shouldn't call it incidents. But, like, moments or that where, like, someone's feeling vulnerable. Like, either the response is, like, disgust, seeking it weak, or, like, sometimes even violence. Like, I saw a thing where it's, like, people with untreated mental illness are, like, 16 times more likely to be killed by law enforcement which oh it's just there's so many levels to it that we need to be educated on like you said there was oh my gosh speaking of that like one most notably known for is elijah mclean yeah he mm-hmm. was just walking mm-hmm. and just also just ass, like, yeah. yeah also just like the inter- intersectionality between like mental health mental health yeah. and like being black in america and having to walk down the streets. So not only does he have fear of that, it's just also his mental health in general. Like I just, oh my gosh, when I saw that I cried. I'm not even kidding. Like it was horrible because someone like, I just, I don't know. It was upset. <laughs> it made me really upset. Yeah, the whole like Black Lives Matter movement, I've been personally like in the past ignorant about it. Like I grew up with not people from my own family, but like, you know, just that South Asian culture where, like, anti-blackness, you know, like, anti-people of darker skin, like, you must have fair skin, like, you know, the fair skin beauty products, like, my parents are great about everything, but I know that there are people in India, like, you know, like, my, like, culture that believe them, that's just crazy to grow up with, like, I was talking earlier today about how no one is born into this world with these prejudices, but, like, once we get into it, and, like, once we experience these people with these biases, with all this hate, and, like, just hate in their hearts like I will get affected by it and create like it's just crazy how like that much hate or like stereotypes can result in so many people dying and like just so many people getting hurt and being harmed and experiencing these traumatic events like the way it adds up and like ends up is crazy mm-hmm. also I'm gonna get a little political here yeah go off <laughs> the thing about um that kind of relates to the whole coronavirus too and how 
um, heavily discriminated Asians are against the whole COVID um, yeah. pandemic, um, calling it the Kung flu virus. <laughs> Literally, I was talking to Stephanie earlier today. Like, she was also doing the interview. She was like, talk, she mentioned that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just like how detrimental that is to Asians' mental health. And like, they can't even walk around even wearing a mask and they're still discriminated against. I've, I've had friends who've walked out and they've been called out for being Asian and wearing a mask and saying to go back to their country. Like, first off, I would gladly go back to my country. <laughs> right. Y'all are, just, y'all are just hating on me. I know. Um, oh, God. Yeah. I don't need that. At least I'll be somewhat accepted in my own, in my mainland. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just, for all, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I think we just, like, let, like, that hate and everything get the better of ourselves, like, making small jokes or, like, nothing more than, like, you know, a bit of banter or laughter, but, like, you know, they're literally microaggressions that affect the course of people's, like, lives and their mental well-being and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I completely Like, I don't, I'm not East Asian, so, like, I haven't really experienced any of that, but, like, I don't know, just, like, being Indian in America, like, the beauty standards, like, I've, honestly, if there was, like, number like, the biggest thing, like, being, Indi- like, that sucks about being Indian here is the beauty standards, because, like, the norm is being blonde, white, you know, blue eyes, and everything like that, and then living in Los Angeles, you know, it's just, like, oh, that sucks. I know, I mean, it's, like, I'm okay with it and everything, it's, like, you just learn, you, ju- you just, like, learn to kind of accept that you're not the norm, you're not what, like, you know, I don't know, guys want, you're not what, like, norm, and that's what sucks about it, is that it needs to be normalized to have, like, Melanin skin is a really exactly. pretty um, beauty standard, and yeah. we should be conformed to those Eurocentric beauty standards in general, and that's, and then, like, not something. When, like, mm-hmm. the white population appropriates things, like, if, I don't understand how white girls being tanned is, like, the beauty standard, but, like, our tan skin, our naturally tan skin and is the beauty standard. I've never understood that. And then also when they appropriate, like, black hair like you know cornrows and things like things like that people just let it slide or like fox eye trend literally like we have a post that blew up about that and people weren't understanding how it's such a detrimental thing especially people who don't can't relate to being like to experiencing microaggressions like that yeah yeah i oh that whole fox eye trend i i just can't believe there's some people that really just like thought that like just disagree on that and like if it okay Here's the thing. If it affects a person of color, then it affects a person of color. If it affects a person of race, if it disproportionately affects a person of race, then it should. Um, I don't see why any other, like a white person should hate against that if they don't, if they're not in that body, for example. I don't know. I 100% agree, yeah. It's like guys in periods aren't the worst thing ever. I mean, like, really, like, don't be that guy. (laughs) You, like, <laughs> like I, it just I don't, there's nothing more to say to it because like you will never experience it so you can't speak for it yeah um, exactly. well okay this really like way longer than I thought but you're, you're good yeah no I just talk a lot so no literally even some reason like this might be one of my favorite episodes not gonna lie so if there's like any last final thoughts you want to say regarding mental health, COVID experience, we talked about Asian Americans briefly, anything like lasting words you want to say, then feel free to say to our audience. Yeah, I just want to say that as I mentioned before, um, mental health recovery is not linear. 
there's always going to be days where you feel up and down and that's totally normal and your feelings are valid and that if you in that you should know that you always should have a person to talk to and that you should always have an outlet to creatively express yourself in terms of those mental health because that's helped me a lot and um I just that's about it yeah <laughs> uh, definitely check out mental note official literally genesis is so amazing and also check out mm-hmm. Asian girl our podcast we also talked about like asian american experience and things like that so yeah thank you yeah. so much for being here yeah no problem it was so fun to talk to you yeah that's Bobby. great yeah mm-hmm. feel the same way okay bye okay bye okay, okay. we're done <laughs> okay that was so good yeah Yeah. honestly that needed to be let off my chest just saying that aloud yeah no literally you can call me like whatever like in the middle of the night if you need to like talk to someone (laughs) like no if no one responds like literally i'm here like i'm always on my phone so like literally Uh, you can always talk to me but like whatever you want like Dear Asian Youth has been that group i love everyone on the team i know like the book wait I'm sorry like I was talking to my dad earlier and I was like literally like the whole podcast team and like Dear Asian Youth like it makes me want to cry because you guys are literally so amazing and like I surround myself with white bitches and I'm just like yeah not getting the same vibe there okay I should stop recording because like (laughs) (laughs)